When it comes to sport, music and entertainment, well, sports stars want to be musicians. Musicians want to be actors, actors want to be footballers. The reality is you'll get approached by anybody and everybody who will be wanting to try and represent you or trying to work with you. Safe away. Entrepreneur, nightlife manager, founder of Future Gen Sports and Luxury Company, he was the youngest FIFA licensed players agent at 21. He is on a mission to create the best nightlife club in Dubai. A lot of people sulk when I say this, but the reality is there's no loyalty in, in, in the football business. From clubs, to players, to families, there is no loyalty. People are only loyal to the business. When you're dealing in a business where there's no loyalty, you know, you're really fighting against a lot of other people in the business, in the game, you know, that all want to take food from your table. If I don't do the job, someone else will. Wow. So it's, you know, it's really eat or be eaten. Good evening. Safer way. كيف الحال؟ الحمد لله. Pleasure to be here. It's uh, an, honestly it's an absolute uh, pleasure to have you here with us at Zeno Talks. Um, you are one of the most uh, captivating individuals in the UAE because <laughs> you know there's a lot of people that are probably talking now about all these football stars coming to the region particularly like in mm -hmm. Saudi Arabia. Uh, but a lot of people don't understand what happens like behind the scenes. What really goes on. And what really goes on. Now, just before we start and dig into all this, because I know you're going to have a lot of information on this. Uh, you were born in the UK. Yes. You moved to Abu Dhabi. Mm -hmm. You grew up in Abu Dhabi, but then you went back to the UK again. Yes. Your adult life, you spent yeah. it there. And... Uh, you got into the this, the, the world, the, 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 the game of the people, like the, the game that everybody loves around the world, which is football, soccer. Yes. And then you transitioned from that field into the hospitality industry. Yeah. So first of all, let's start. Tell us a little bit about yourself and then we're going to dive into your sports experience and your hospitality experience. No problem. So, yes, I was born in London, as you said, and then I uh, grew up in Abu Dhabi till I was about nine years old because mm. uh, my family had business there and uh, but originally I'm Iraqi so uh, went back to London spent all my adult life there went to university in, in England um, and then basically uh, was actually involved in like nightlife hospitality business going up in London about when I was about 17 18 19 years old and then off the back of that, I um, I got to meet a lot of big uh, professional football players, but because they're all like they're all my age, as in like uh, people like uh, Frank Lampard, uh, Rio Ferdinand, John Terry, uh, we all grew up around the same area. Mm. Um, I grew up in West London, so I was very near Chelsea Football Club. Uh, my parents still live there. And uh, so a lot of the guys that came up through the youth teams in Chelsea, I knew them from that those days. So mm. kind of got to know these guys, was involved in nightlife. Then um, I also knew a lot of the um, legendary Tottenham players like David Ginola, Teddy Sheringham, Les Ferdinand, you know, and obviously Les who became a director at QPR, who mm. I'm still, you know, uh, in touch with mm. Queens so, Park Rangers. Queens Park Rangers, yeah. Mm. So that's basically how I kind of started off in terms of making my connections and my networks. And then 
But can I ask you this? Before you even got to this, I mean, were you yourself? Were you were you growing up as a kid? Did mm -hmm. you ever play football? I played football, but mm -hmm. I was never obviously fit enough uh, in terms of the athletic, physical side. I yeah. played a very high level of rugby. Okay. Uh, at school. Okay. So I actually played rugby with Nick Easter and uh, Andrew Sheridan. Nick, who was a legend for the England rugby team. Okay. Uh, we went to a school called Dulwich College in South London, and Dulwich mm -hmm. was. Uh, one of the best schools in England for rugby. Okay. But again, I was never into the gym, into the fitness, in terms of the athletic, physical demands of becoming a professional. Okay. But at school, it was fun, it was great. Mm. Um, but again, most of these people, like I was still in touch with mm. uh, to this day. Um, and Nick became a legend for England. Um, and obviously the same thing with the... Uh, the football players, but no, I wasn't never a professional, but I had a lot of access and contacts with these people. Okay, so you 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 had the access, you had the connections, and everything else. So, you know, at, at Zeno Talks, one of the things that we're trying to captivate is it's it's basically learning or, or getting to understand how people learned their way to the top. Like, what what were your who was your biggest inspiration? Number one, mm -hmm. like nobody ever said that, hey, I want to be like this football agent. You do say you want to be like Jose Mourinho mm. just because, you know, I'm a big Chelsea fan yeah. myself and you want to be like a player or anyone on the team, but you never say, I want to be this. But then the people behind the scenes, like the football yeah. agents who are, who, who for better or for worse yeah. sometimes, especially because yeah. when you support a team and you have this player that yeah, you're like, yeah, oh yeah. my God, you know, then, then why did they move? Because then you're like, oh, this guy had an agent yeah, yeah, who yeah. probably saw another opportunity for them and took them away from this club. And we're like, no, why did you take them away? So tell me about that experience. What, uh, what made you get into that um, particular space? So firstly, because I knew a lot of players. And in fact, I remember it because it was David Ginola, who is a legendary French footballer, played for Tottenham, played for Newcastle, played for Paris Saint-Germain, French national team. Mm. So he said to me, safe, you know a lot of players, you know, you take care of them, you do stuff for them, you should be an agent. So to be honest, I didn't actually have, it wasn't like I saw someone else doing it. Mm. Um, I knew other people that were doing it, mm. but that wasn't like, uh, I knew some of the people that uh, some of, actually own some of the biggest companies in the world of sports management, but I never was going to work for any of them because I already had my own sort of, I always worked for myself, I never worked for anybody. So, um, but, and then when I got my license to be an agent uh, at 21, I was the youngest agent in the world wow. at the time. And you got your license from? England. Oh, from the England from Football, Football Association. Association, yeah, 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 FA. so FA. So, okay. I, so I was the youngest agent in the world at the time. Wow. So I did that and kind of started from the bottom, you know, uh, working with young players, working with semi-professional players and just mm. kind of like getting to row the ropes. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, and so when you say young players or, you know, you started from the bottom, was that like working for like the championship league or was no, that or? No, like, for example, one of my first clients was actually a, a player who was the captain of the West Ham United youth team. Okay. Um, who won the FA Cup a long, long time ago? Mm. But he was actually his name is Anwar Uden. He, uh, he was actually like the first British Asian professional footballer. Okay. And right now he's actually now doing fantastically well, working with the Football Association and diversity and things like that. 
So, and I'm still in touch with him. Like he became mm-hmm. like a little brother to me. So, okay. Anwar was the captain of the team that had Joe Cole and these yeah. players at West Ham. At West Ham, yeah. So he was my first guy that I worked with. Um, and then I was working with like other players, not in the championship, like in non-league football, semi-professional football. So I kind of like mixed it up because it was like to get, you know, to deal with all the different levels. Um, with Anwar, he didn't make it at Premier League level, but he had a very great career playing in the lower leagues. Mm. Um, and he was a great player and a great person, more importantly. So, um, but because, again, I was around all the best young, say, players at West Ham, mm. um, including Joe Cole. You know, I'm still friends with Joe Cole to this yeah. day. So I love him. Yeah so, I, yeah, so I got to be, you know, my network became bigger and bigger because mm. of that. And, you know, working hard, you know, building up your contacts, Obviously, being involved in hospitality and nightlife, my network in terms of general uh, people in the world of sport, entertainment, media is very big. So you get to meet everybody and then you try and, you know, the job of an agent is to connect the dots. So, Mm. you know, you you will try and connect a player with his agent to a team or a team with an agent or Mm. a player, you know. Like my involvement can be directly with the players, it can be with the clubs, it can be with their agents, it could be brokering. So I'm involved in many different types of transactions. The most important thing is getting the deal done. So, mm. um, and can I ask you this, uh, just for the audience to understand this, mm-hmm. an agent is not a scout. No. So a club generally have scouts. Yes. They'll go, they scout the players. Yeah. Sometimes they get them from yeah. different parts of the world yeah. or from wherever. And then they bring him into the club yeah. or whatever. But then the player would need an agent. Yeah. But then do clubs have their own agents or do they just tell these players, hey, this is a list of credible agents which uh, are registered or licensed by yeah. the FA? Um, to be honest, look, obviously clubs will have agents they, they work with more often than not. Okay. Dif- you know, in terms of like, they have the good relations with, but you know, as a parent or as a you know of a player or as a player, the reality is you'll get approached by anybody and everybody who will be wanting to try and represent you or trying to work with you. It's okay. very, but you know, from my perspective, I don't really operate like that. It's more by referral. Okay. So I like to be introduced to people in the right way. I'm not, I don't typically cold call people for business. Okay. Or like approach players randomly in that way. It's mm. always, you know, I'm always like introduced and recommended by trusted sources. Okay, so then when you said, for example, when you got the, your, your license at the FA, yeah. um, are there courses or something that you need to take to make sure that you understand what it takes to become an agent for a player? So when I did it, yes. And then what happened in the game, then it became kind of less regulated where anybody can become an agent and you know uh, then they, they they became a time when anyone was basically an agent because you had to just sign up on the FA's website and then pay 300 pounds a year to get a license mm. so then it got a bit out of hand and then only recently actually uh, it's been quite well publicized that FIFA have now taken control mm. of the licensing process okay so they've now forced everybody to take exams mm in order to prove that they are able to be qualified to be working as an agent in the football business. Yeah, because I was going to say, like, if you are an agent f- for football players, uh, I mean, 
it's not the same as being an agent for like a, a musician or like a movie star or um, something, right? It's similar. It's similar. Similar because, yeah. listen, managing talent is managing talent. Okay. So at the end of the day, you're dealing with egos, you're dealing with people, you're dealing with talent. Mm. So, you know, it's very similar, to be honest. Like, I've worked, obviously, not just in football. I've worked with musicians. I've, I have worked with actors before. And mm. it's a similar concept, but obviously different requirements and different demands. Mm. Uh, but now, obviously, with this whole FIFA licensing thing, uh, which is... Um, starting right as we speak right literally yeah. in the next few days you know it's been it's been good because a lot of unqualified people mm. cannot work because of this yeah okay let me ask you this if you are representing someone mm -hmm. uh they don't perform well on the field what do you do are there kpis that's that's the question probably a lot of people are thinking so like what does it take for me to ensure that I have this, you know, you as an agent, do you act like a therapist? Do you act like a friend? Do, how, how, where's the fine line between friendship and professionalism? And all, all of these things, I really want to, I think everybody would want to understand this, you know? For me, to be honest, and a lot of people sulk when I say this, but the reality is there's no loyalty in, in, in the football business. Mm. From clubs to players to families there is no loyalty people are only loyal to the business mm. and from my perspective i'm happy with that because i'm not here to of course a lot of the people i work with because of the way i am and the way i try and conduct myself and do business and deliver they become my friends and we are friends but the reality is this is all about getting deals done mm. so anyone that tells you anything else they're in dreamland um so for me it's uh it's very much very cutthroat mm. If I don't do the job, someone else will. Have you dropped any 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 of talent? Of course, talent have dropped me, as in in the way that you know they feel that they can do better. But no talent's ever done that and gone on to better things. <sighs> Not because I'm anything special, but I believe that I'm always very. If I'm helping a talent or a player, yeah, I'll always do my best for them. But at the end of the day, just because I do my best doesn't mean that they might have enough to achieve a certain level. Mm. You know, some players will become Premier League players. Some players will earn a good living in the championship. Some players will even earn a good living in the lower leagues or in Europe. Mm. Um, but the point is, I can only do so much. The reality is, it's up to the players and the talent to do their jobs on the pitch. Mm. Where I come in is I'm the person who's able to negotiate and broker the best contracts, the best deals, the best clubs. That's yeah. what I'm good at. Yeah. So, you know, sometimes, uh, you know, it goes both ways. Yeah. Which are some of the biggest players that you've represented so far and the uh, biggest clubs that you've worked with? Yeah, I mean, I've worked with Manchester City. Uh, actually, in the, obviously, we're here in the UAE. So when the, um, the Abu Dhabi took, uh, bought Man uh, Manchester City, I was actually, I did one of their, you know, I was one of the first people. I was working with Kolo Toure mm. when he went from Arsenal to Manchester City. Um, also uh, worked with Chelsea quite a lot. Chelsea is a club I had uh, previously, not not recently, but previously had uh, great relations with uh, in terms of bringing some top talents there. Mm. Um, and uh, more recently, I, I was the one who brought Tony Rudiger from uh, Roma to Chelsea. Nice. Um, and obviously he's then gone to be one of the best defenders in the world and is now at Real Madrid. Yes. So uh, I also brought uh, uh, Lucas Paqueta, Mm -hmm. He's obviously one of the best players in the world for Brazil, from Lyon to West Ham. Mm -hmm. So I was involved in introducing 
to make the deal happen between all the clubs and the player and the agent. So, yeah. you know, my job is to connect and make things happen. And obviously information is key because that's where my value is. My mm. value is being able to uh, pr provide information about how a deal can happen and what the value is and, and to try and, you know, find a, a sweet spot of value that makes everybody want to make a deal happen. Yeah, because that's what I was going to ask you. Like, uh, I know you said the players sometimes would, would, would get referrals and they say, hey, you should work with Safe yeah. and he'll be a great. But then how do you know if a club is looking for or or how do you know like you know what okay i know this player is playing here but i know that they have a potential at this other club well because obviously firstly the w football world is even though it's a big business or a big world it's a small world so mm. you know i i speak regularly to owners of football clubs to directors of uh, of the technical directors of the clubs to scouts to recruitment and you know obviously my job is to to fill the need of, of requirements of what positions, what players, what price, what deals they want to pay. So, mm. you know, uh, for example, Lucas Paqueta was actually supposed to be originally, you know, there was a lot of talk of him going to Newcastle at the time, for example. Yeah. But then, um, you know, Newcastle had an injury uh, and then the priority for them shifted to another position. Yeah. Um, he ended up, you know, going to West Ham but because... West Ham were also looking for that kind of player. Mm. So I introduced, you know, all the parties together in order to be able to see how um, a deal can be done. And, you know, in a very short period of time, that deal happened. And obviously he was, you know, he was one of the best players in the Premier League last year and uh, mm. almost went to Manchester City in the summer. And, you know, he'll he'll go on to bigger and better things uh, after his time in West Ham. But West Ham is a great club to be at. And, yeah. um, and you know, it's 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 a good stepping stone. And and when you say if when you represent a player, it means you're representing everything. So like when brands want to come in and, and become, yeah, I is mean, that, is that is that part of the deal, um, or is it just? Honestly, it depends. For example, I don't particularly work as a player's agent um, personally, as in like I'm an agent working with the clubs, mm. uh, you know, connecting the dots and and getting paid for doing that. Okay. So I don't necessarily work. Um, you know, hands-on, for example, Lucas Beckett, I'm not his agent, mm. but I was the one who brokered the deal to make the deal happen. Okay. So, you know, there's different situations of players that I would work with hands-on more often than not. Mm. Um, and also on the commercial side, you know, there's players that I introduce, and I, I would never, I'm not a commercial person, but I work with some companies that manage some of the best talents commercially. Mm. So I will introduce them to the players. Okay. And then and do it like that. That's really how it goes. Okay, that's good. Well, so now let me ask you this uh, before we go into the Saudi Arabia, because this is the biggest topic. And I feel you are the closest person in the UAE that can shine some light into this topic no with Saudi. But why did Chelsea spend all that money and are doing so poorly? I'm, I'm only asking you to just relieve me from this stress that I have, the internal stress, because that's my favorite club. Uh -huh. uh, and it's a shame to see what's going on. They bought all these players to spend an arm and a leg. I think, what, over a billion or something. That's right. Know. What happened? Um, I mean, it's very clear to see. They, they've, they, they think they have the strategy to they invest in top young talent. Uh, but unfortunately, with top young talent, you need uh, experience and leadership and uh, you know a specific kind of mental toughness that playing in the Premier League, playing for a club like Chelsea needs. And... Unfortunately, at the moment, 
you know, um, Chelsea is a great club, and at the moment, those players are not really equipped with the right um, tools to to do the job. But that doesn't mean that they cannot develop. But I think, you know, the mistake that they made in the recruitment is maybe not not uh, uh, not recruiting enough experienced heads and uh, mm. you know, ready-made players that can come and support the top young talent. Mm -mm. Okay. So now moving on to you, before we go to Saudi, congratulations, if mm -hmm. you got your license from FIFA now. That's right. So now does that mean globally you could work with any club? That's right. That's amazing. Yeah, that yeah. just opens the doors yeah, yeah, yeah. for all those other clubs. That's I right. wish you all the best and I know that you're going to kill it. So Thank you. tell us about Saudi Arabia. What in the world's going on? I mean, did you foresee this? Did, did, did you imagine that all these stars were going to come to Saudi? Uh, do you think more people are coming to Saudi? Uh, or what's look, going on? Look, firstly, people make mistake of not not realizing that Saudi has got a massively rich footballing history as far as the love of football in the country. Yeah. Um, and obviously, where they have a big advantage is that they have over 30 million people living in the country. Yeah. So, you know, end of the day, it's much more uh, people living in Saudi Arabia than UAE and Qatar. True. And and there's a huge appetite for sport and football in Saudi Arabia, which mm. is why historically there's teams like Al Hilal, Al Ittihad, even Al Nasser that are have been winning Asian Champions Leagues for True. years. And if you go to an Al Hilal, Al -Hilal game, there's sixty thousand people there. Yeah, you know, uh, I don't think that in the history of UAE, maybe, in, in, definitely not in the history of Qatar football, for example, has there been a game where six thousand fans have gone to a game. In the UAE, you only get big attendances maybe in a big derby where maybe it involves a team like Al Ain and Al Jazeera. Or, and even then, it's not the same numbers. In Saudi Arabia, you have 30 million people. It's true. So the people love football. And it was only a matter of time with what they were doing and other businesses and other things that football was going to come knocking. Because it's, look, Qatar, for example, you know, has a lot of uh, wealth. And spent have spent a lot of money in football, just like, for example, obviously, you know, uh, in a, 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 a Qatar um, entity owns uh, Paris Saint Germain. So Qatar had the money to to do a lot of things with football in the league in in, in Qatar. But the reality is, if you have no fan base, yeah, it's very hard to grow, um, you know, sport in the way that Saudi has a chance to. Mm. Same thing with the UAE. You know, there is no you know, there's not a lot of fans regularly that go to most of the games. So yeah. what can they do? Any money they spend on it is is not, it's like money that's never going to go anywhere. Whereas in Saudi Arabia, yeah. there's a lot of commercialization. There's a lot of uh, fans love it. There's a lot of sponsorship, marketing. And what they've done, they've been very clever. They said, listen, if we bring all the best players in the world to Saudi Arabia, firstly, it means that all their broadcasting deals Worldwide, all of a sudden, there's everyone wants to watch Saudi League. That's true. You know, everyone wants to Me watch too. Ronaldo play. I paid for Shahid. I'm, 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 I watch this probably. I, I, pro I watch the Saudi League probably more than the the European League. Yeah, now. because now you you it's, know you want to watch Neymar play. Yeah. You want to watch Ronaldo play. You want to watch Benzema play. Um, uh, you know, Steven Gerrard's coaching there. Yeah. You know, uh, so the point is, there's a there's a there's a buzz. Yeah. Um, and that's it. And the reality is, with this buzz is that, you know, they do have a plan to invest more money in uh, 
in in sport and in football and if you know obviously recently uh uh, uh Mohammed bin Salman uh, yeah. Crown Prince you know was did an interview with the uh, I think it was Fox News and yeah. you know he said that you know what they've done with football and sport has increased the country's GDP by 1%. Wow. And they still want to make it increase by another 1.5%. That's crazy. Just from sport. Just from sport. So even though it looks like they're spending crazy money... They're, they're getting actually, that return. They're getting the return. Yeah. So. Just today, by the way, I don't know if you fancy this, but um, they're now also looking for referees in case, of you, course. In case you want to become an agent <laughs> for some... They're saying minimum they'll pay like £400,000. Of so course. No, no. That's a big money. That, yeah, big so, money. No, no, for sure. So the point is, is that they are active and they're ready. Yeah. So, so the question is, has anybody contacted you yet? Uh, what's going on? I know. You no, know, you can tell us. It's no, okay. No, I, I, I was very active in the market there over the summer. So I made some great relations with a lot of the people from some of the big clubs there. Yeah. But I, I wasn't able to close any deals yet. But you know, I was involved in. You see, this, the, the thing with Saudi Arabia is because it's all new to them mm-hmm. in terms of what they're doing with the commercialization of, and the globalization of the sport, you know, still organizationally, they're still getting to grips. You know, yeah. they've set up the Saudi Pro League. The Ministry of Sport is obviously uh, behind a lot of the investment. True. And then they're trying to organize all the teams. And obviously what they also did recently is the Saudi Arabian Public Investment Fund. Yeah who owns Newcastle United Football Club, majority ownership of Newcastle United Football Club, you know, they've taken majority ownership of four of the big teams in Saudi Arabia yeah. to try and make them more organized and commercial. And I think that will carry on throughout the league. So even though they've had a big summer of business that's been crazy to mm-hmm. the public, you know, the truth is, I think they signed, what, 30, 35 players. So yeah, yeah. it's it's not a lot of players by the t- in terms of global... Yeah. Numbers of players, yeah. But obviously, because they're all big profiles, yeah. it, it looks a lot more. That's true. Uh, but no, the fans are loving it. The atmosphere is great. Yeah. You know, I was in Riyadh last week to watch a game. It was really good. Um, uh, the atmospheres are very good. The fans love the sport. Yeah. And I think it's it's here to 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 stay, and it will only grow. Yeah, I can only imagine your phone calls. I mean, people, I'm sure players are calling you every day, saying, "Safe, hook every, me up, get me in this club." That, you know, like because because uh, even LeBron James and yeah. all these other like basketball yeah. players are making jokes saying, "Well, but it's not a joke because <laughs> the truth of the matter is, Saudi Arabia have more money than the NBA, and if they decided to attack. Uh, the NBA, uh, the way they've attacked the, the, the not attacked, but the way they've yeah. approached the, the the football world, I, I guarantee you, most of the NBA players would be in, in Saudi Arabia. I'm sure. And and and, and, it, and by the way, it's a, a lot more easier mm. to set up a league of basketball than it is to do football because there's less players. It's much easier, more more manageable. So I agree. if they actually want, whenever they want to do that, they will do it. Okay. They're doing it now with golf. They've done it with golf. Okay. Um, they're doing it with tennis. All right. So you know it's, uh, uh, but but also they've not been stupid how they've done it because I, like you said, I get a lot of players calling me every day. Ah, oh, safe. Get me a move. Get me a move. But what they don't understand is, the reality is they are going for a certain profile of players and quality and character. Mm. And, uh, you know, whether it's a big name player or someone earning a good salary or, 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 an ex- or a professional, like quality experienced player. So there are different types of guys they're going for. So, you know, the truth is um, they're, they're also being sensible yeah. about the, 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 the way they want to make the moves. But, yeah. you know, because it's big money, people talk about it more than other things. Okay, that's amazing. Well, so now we're going to transition from sports 
into hospitality. Mm -hmm. uh, it's something that also people know you very well for. Uh, tell us about some of the establishments that you've created, uh -huh. running, and any new plans. Um, I mean, look, so obviously my hospitality background, you know, started all the way back in the late 90s in London. So that's how I kind of got my hands in the business of hospitality and then obviously evolved into football sports management. And then when I moved to Dubai, I kind of didn't go back to hospitality, but because obviously my main industry and my main business is sports management, working with football players, working with clubs and doing those deals. But um, I was always interested in hospitality because when it comes to sport, music and entertainment, everybody wants to be like, for example, sports stars want to be musicians. Mm -hmm. Musicians want to be actors. Actors want to be footballers. So it's all related. And for me, hospitality and food and beverage and nightlife is kind of like the backdrop to like these kind of scenarios. So, you know, one of the brands that I brought to the UAE, which is still running and going strong right now, is um, probably one of the biggest nightlife brands in America, which is a brand called One Oak, one of a kind. So it's, um, and I was the one who, you know, brought the brand from uh, America uh, through the brand owners, Richie Akiva and his partners from New York uh, to open it in Dubai. So, you know, we had the location in, uh, in Dubai. It's J been running for how many years now? Seven years. Seven, seven years. seven years. Seven years, which nice. is not bad for Dubai for a venue to be running this while. And, uh, yeah. you know, and uh, obviously apart from having the actual nightclub itself, again, because you need to be able to do more, you know, more than just be a nightclub. You know, we have also a One Oak Terrace, which actually has like shisha, food and drink and uh, different kind of atmosphere. So, no, it's been, you know, so One Oak is, is, is obviously the main brand that um, I was responsible for bringing to the UAE. Yeah. Um, and currently I'm uh, in the middle of uh, creating a new concept, which I hope and I think hasn't really been done before, which is um, a premium sports and nightlife entertainment venue, which... Um, is basically like a playground for sports-loving enthusiasts to enjoy some high-level sports viewing with some great food and drink and also be able to um, enjoy a night out. But the actual venue itself is also going to have a concept uh, barbershop mm -hmm. um, and also an area in the VIP, which is also going to have a music production okay. um, and podcasting area. Um, as well as a pool table and uh, a gaming setup, you know, for some esports action. Yeah. So, you know, and that's all going to be under one roof. Um, mm -hmm. And because the venue is divided up into different rooms, yeah. Um, it's going to be called Players House. Okay. Um, and that's opening at the Andes Hotel uh, on the Palm Jumeirah. Nice. Um, so that's going to be open in a couple of months' time. Okay. Um, and yeah, so that's like. That's a concept that I've come up, I came up with from scratch in yeah. terms of I, f I think there's a need and a demand even now for example with uh, women's sports mm -hmm. you know the women's world cup that was hosted yeah. in Australia and New Zealand was a massive massive success yeah so I, w I watched almost every match yeah they were amazing yeah, I couldn't believe it yeah, maybe you should start representing women uh, players now yeah so that was a big success and yeah. and even in the UAE you know for me the UAE is uh, a rich footballing, not football, sorry, sports-loving uh, cultures, but even in women's sports in, in the UAE. So yeah. in, uh, I feel like there's a lot of women in sports that, you know, compete in uh, basketball teams, tennis, football, you know, all different sports, paddle, mm -hmm. um, 
that don't really have a place they can go and enjoy uh, uh, nice premium sports viewing mm. and feel comfortable in. So yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm building a venue which is going to be catering for that, catering for everybody, but mm -hmm. on a premium vibe, yeah. great food, you know, nice offering. Yeah. You know, privacy if you want to have a private room to yourself yeah. and entertain, you know, VIPs and, yeah. you know, people like that. And also with the music production. So yeah. music artists from around the world. Yeah. Um, and locally, yeah, yeah. we'll be able to utilize the room to, to you know, make music. Yeah. So it's going to be like a content creative hub. Yes. Uh, in a nice location that will also be a great. Uh, F&B offering. Yeah, this is this is great. Look, safe. I just came back from the U.S. Uh, earlier this year, and I lived in the states for about five and a half years. And everywhere you went, uh, like the, the all the the restaurants have like TV screens everywhere. Like it's the, everyone's addicted. You could watch every single game, like yeah. whatever game was playing. If it was college football, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, American football. This is yeah. what I mean. If there was like a soccer match, if there was basketball like everybody is like glued to the screens there because it's a huge industry and then for sure like you said it's growing here and people want to find venues like it's very difficult to find them here like proper ones you could probably find a sports bar here and there but but they're not but they're not the thing is the problem is this firstly there's no high-end ones yeah no. and by the way that's the problem not just in dubai it's all over the world that's yeah. why i'm creating this homegrown brand from the uae which mm. i hope to you know roll out to the rest of the world but you know, there isn't venues where the programming of the sport is mm. curated yeah. for the customers. Yeah. So obviously because my venue is, is, has different rooms, the idea is gonna be to, obviously every day of the week there's different sports. So normally, for example, on a Sunday you have Formula One. Yeah. So Formula One will, will be hosted in one of the areas of the venue. Then you'll mm. have Premier League, then you'll have Saudi League, then you'll have Paddle, then you have, you know, NBA, NFL. Um, yeah. So my idea is going to be to actually have pro curated programming on a daily weekly basis yeah to reach out to all the different people that love sport and who want to watch quality yeah. entertainment yeah and and want to have a nice night out but without feeling that they're in a let's say in an overcrowded place yes. a bit more of a premium vip vibe yeah and that's it and being on the palm jumeirah obviously it's uh one of the best locations in Dubai in yeah. terms of an area. Mm -mm. So, you know, I have good uh, hopes for it. Yeah, yeah. And I hope that uh, it will be a place where people will be happy and enjoy. Look, Saif, I don't even doubt it a minute. You're one of the most hospitable people I've ever known. Like, you know, uh, just for clarity, for the mm. viewers, Saif, when you go to his house, he always makes sure, he always asks you before that, have you eaten? And then if you haven't, you know there's still food in the house. It's it's very comfortable. The TV is on. The sports game is on. Like he he truly is himself, like the master yeah. of hospitality himself. So it, this business is just perfect for you. If, uh, I, I'm just someone who's actually experienced <laughs> the hospitality at the OG's home. Then you know that's I I I'm 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 certain that this sports town is going to be amazing and epic. So I doubt I don't doubt it at all. But but, but that's why I wanna I wanna replicate that experience. Yeah. In players' house, where actually the tagline is going to be home away from home. Ah, yeah, nice. So players' house, home away from home, because the point is, it will be a venue where you feel like you're at home. Yeah. But you know, and 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 so many people have you know struggles struggles to enjoy an evening or an afternoon or a morning yeah. of sport 
and entertain and host people yeah. in a nice environment. And the fact that we're going to have all these add-on concepts within the venue yeah. will just make it a lot more interesting. That's amazing. So here's the thing. Because you talked about the different sports that will be broadcasting. Now, uh, NFL or this or everything else, or NBA, even NBA, sometimes those games run really late at night. Is this going to be a 24-hour venue? Is it going to be running till like... Uh, that's the question no the question is we will you know the idea is obviously that will be on demand mm. so you know obviously if we're going to be opening at later hours you know we'll have to be getting the relevant permissions uh, okay. from from dubai tourism and and things like that but as we are not you know it's not a nightclub and it's not that type of establishment okay you know it's for sports viewing so mm. uh Hopefully, you know, if, if the demand is there, we're going to, yeah. mil million percent, we're going to show it okay. because uh, we want to cater for everybody. Okay. So sports and hospitality, which one's a tougher uh, industry that you've been experiencing so far? Um, sports, for sure. Because like I said, when you're dealing in a business where there's no loyalty and there's no real consistency, you know, you're really fighting against a lot of, other people in the business, in the game, you know, that all want to take food from your table. Wow. So it's, you know, it's really eat or be eaten. You know what's really crazy, Safe, is because at least in football, you've got so many teams, you have so many players, but yet you have this situation. Yeah. I yeah. mean, it's, it's, it's crazy. I mean, you've got clubs, you've got some top clubs in the Bundesliga, mm. La, La, La Liga, yeah, the Italian, Serie A, you've got all this. So, why is it that way? It's crazy. Be because, well, it's not just for football. To be honest, it's in any business where there's a lot of money mm. floating around. And obviously sports, entertainment, there's yeah, a lot yeah. of money. Money is the root of all evil. Money is the root of all evil, unfortunately. And also, it's not just that. It's the, it's the fact that a lot of the people in those industries have not been educated in the correct way. Yeah. Um, look, some, you know, each to their own. Yeah. But I'm just saying from my personal experience, when you're dealing with people that are not really thinking in the right way when it comes to a deal or a transaction, mm. and also you're dealing with, like I said, a lot of egos, a lot of personalities, there's a lot of human element. Mm. And unfortunately, it means that with that human element, it's not just like a deal where it's okay yeah. what's the price what's this and people make a decision on that yeah, yeah there's so many other factors that come into a club making a decision on a player or on a mm. player making a decision on a team mm. you know i don't want to go and live in this city or my wife doesn't like this country or yeah, yeah. you know and look I, it's very understand but because you're dealing with so many variables it's mm. such a difficult business to navigate and and quantify look you've learned obviously a lot of things about the industry the good the bad and the ugly but like what have you learned about yourself through this experience um i've learned that you know to be honest um sometimes i'm a i'm a bit of a hothead in my business um you know you have to be able to control your emotions um and your temperament mm. because um, obviously, when you say or do the wrong thing at the wrong time, bad things can happen. Um, and I've been, you know, I've been a not a victim because I'm not a victim. I've been guilty mm. of, you know, doing those kind of things, uh, you know, in the past. 
Um, we're, but we're only human. Yeah. And especially when you're dealing in, in a human business where it's emotions and relations yeah. and dealings. So I would say that, you know, that's controlling your feelings and your emotions and making it a bit more, being more calm. Yeah. Would, would definitely help not just myself, but everybody in general. Have you, have you ever lost your cool with one of your talents? Um, not just talents, obviously, like I said, I work a lot with the clubs. Yeah, yeah. So of course, I mean, like, uh, because people like, you know, people in the football business will do things for different reasons. So of course, sometimes you feel like, you know, you want to make, you know, and I'm very person, like I believe in closing deals. Mm. I like to see myself as a deal maker, not a deal breaker. Yeah. So if I feel like a situation where I've been brought in to help in a transaction, and things are not going the way they should be going, of course, sometimes you'll react in some not a favorable way. Okay. And, you know, so um, let me ask you this. What, 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 which, were, which were some of, like, the major or, like, the major milestones or successes that you've had in the football world? Um, I mean, look... Or you say, you know what, this was the deal. This was the one that, for me, was yeah. the highlight. Well, I don't know about highlight, but... Obviously, the first deal that was like the big deal in terms of a uh, big transfer fee and mm. a big, not a big player, well, a big, big player, but is uh, I took a player from uh, FC Basel in Switzerland. His name was Felipe Caicedo, Ecuadorian international player, and moved him to Manchester City. Mm. That was in January 2008. And that was the year before um, yeah. Sheikh Mansour and Abu Dhabi bought the club. So... Um, um, the uh, Taksin Shinawatra, the Thailand uh, uh, ex- no, ex- prime yes. minister, he, yeah. he was the owner of Manchester City. So yes. that was my first big deal. Yeah. So that was like a deal where, okay, now I've arrived. Yeah. So you yeah. knew for yourself, like, you know what, I made it. Not made it yeah. because you've ne- none of us have made it. You know. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, we're all in a, you know, uh, the, the, the we're always working and striving to get better in everything we do, yeah. whether it's personal and professional and yeah. all these kind of things. But uh, no, that was the deal where it was like, you know, like I was recognized for doing a big deal. Yeah. Um, and obviously, shortly after that, a year after that. I was involved in, you know, with Colo Toure to go from Arsenal to Manchester, and that was massive. Yeah. Um, and obviously, because Colo is a Premier League legend, he's a great yeah. man. Um, and then it kind of snowballed. Then I was responsible for bringing Dembaba to the Premier League. Yeah. And obviously, he went and had a fantastic career in England. Played for West Ham, Newcastle, and Chelsea. Yeah. Um, one of the saddest players that I brought to the Premier League, and obviously he passed away very sadly recently, oh. was Christian Atsu. Yeah, who died in the uh, uh, Turkish uh, earthquake? Uh, yeah. So I I took him from uh, from FC Porto to Chelsea. Yeah. And that was a great move at the time. Mm. So you know I've been involved in a few good transactions, but you know for me every deal, whether it's a big player, a small player, big club, small mm. club, I treat it in the same way. You know, Saif, I'm sure all these players are super grateful to the work that you do, but I want to know. What about their families, like their parents? Have you ever got a card, a call, anything um, from them and they say, you know what, you changed our life. Like, thank you for that. Because that's I, huge. I, I, I would love to lie to you and tell you that's happened a lot. But firstly, like I said to you, there is no loyalty. True. I don't want to keep repeating it, yeah, yeah. but it's a sad truth, factual truth of yeah. 
not just sports business. You know, there's unfortunately a lot of people are out for what they can get for themselves. So um, the truth of the matter is, you know, people will say thank you at the time, maybe. Yeah. But everyone gets on with their lives, and I'm not here to. I'm not trying to be best friends with with a with a with a with a player or a club or a family yeah. member. I'm just trying to do my job. Yeah. And hopefully, if they if they recognize that. I've done a good job and I've been, you know, I've delivered a good service. Yeah. That they will recommend me to other people. Yeah. And that they will refer me to other people. You know, the only reason I asked you this is because I recently watched this movie called Rise of Yanis Antetokounmpo from no. uh, Milwaukee Bucks. Yeah, yeah. And obviously he's Greek. Yes. And uh, if you watch his story in the movie, there's this guy who is a scout and he saw his potential. And when Giannis had an opportunity with another person, uh, you know, he he rejected the offer because because they were like illegal uh, residents in in, in yeah, uh, yeah. yeah they, they didn't have passport, they didn't have papers, right? And uh, they rejected the offer from somebody who actually promised them the Greek passport. But and, and they went with this lower scout, yeah. and they took his. And then they, he was drafted in the NBA, which was like. Crazy. Of, so, yeah. so I mean, I understand your experience. That, but that's I'm like, very yeah. rare. Yeah, that's very rare. Yeah, I know. This was like that's, uh, no, but that's the reality an anomaly. You know, it was like out of nowhere. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and like look, that. I don't know this basketball player, but he looks like a great guy. Yeah, yeah. And and the truth of the matter is, you know, that's a different scenario to say a football player who's already in the system. Okay. This guy wasn't in the system. You're this right. This guy was discovered, mm. and. Look, he's very grateful to the guy who helped discover him. Yeah. Which is understandable. Yeah. Whereas in the football world, like I said to you, there's a million agents. Yeah. There's a lot of family members. There's a lot of people, you know, involved in, 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 in making these kind of decisions. There's a lot of football clubs. Mm. In a football club, there's 20 people that make decisions. Yeah. So for me, it's just a case of, you know, trying to do my best to make a transaction happen and yeah. and seeing how I can you know move move it forward. I have one question on the on on the transfer of players. Mm -hmm. My question is do you think we're now with the whole situation happening in Saudi this might help to elevate the quality of the Saudi national players and that might give them a chance to go to Europe. Do you think there's a chance for more of that happening? Um I would have said yes before. Well, for starters, obviously Saudi Arabia did fantastic at the World Cup mm. in Qatar. Yeah, and if beating you, Argentina. And if you compare, for example, Qatar had invested hundreds of millions in a in a in a development program mm. from 15 years ago. Yeah, that basically yielded zero results. Yeah, and they were really bad. Mm. And they were the host nation, yeah, yeah. but they held an amazing World Cup. So exactly. the Qatar World Cup for me was one of the best World Cups ever. Yeah. So they get, you know, uh, but on the field, they weren't very good. Mm -hmm. Saudi Arabia, on the other hand, obviously had prepared correctly. Evra Renard, who was the coach, who's also an old friend of mine, did an amazing job. But now the dynamics has shifted because obviously, firstly, they are looking to create one of the best leagues in the world. Yeah. So by bringing some of the best talents in the world, yeah. naturally now, look, it's very simple. You're a Chelsea fan. So it's like when Gianfranco Zola went to Chelsea. Yeah. He was a world superstar. Yeah. For Chelsea to have Gianfranco at the time was amazing. Yeah. So he was an amazing role model 
to the young Chelsea players coming up in those times. Yeah. So the whole replicate that idea to what Saudi Arabia is doing, mm. and naturally their players, their national team players, are going to develop better, and the young players are going to develop better. Yeah. And I think, look, if the quality of the Saudi league is better than the quality of the French league or the better quality than the Dutch league, yeah. why would they go to Europe if they can already be playing top-level football in Saudi Arabia? True. Okay. Safe. look, I know I took you away from the sports lounge where you're probably wearing your PP&E and... Hard hat. Hard, your hard hat and all of that. Uh, you're a very difficult person to catch sometimes, but no you're problem. always... A wonderful person to meet and chat with and and always like Thank learn you. and exploring new ideas so i wish you all the best with the sports lounge i wish you all the best with <clears throat> with obviously the, uh, the the you know being the best agent for some of these top clubs and top players and uh you know any final words for xeno talks and for the no, audience out there no just thank you for having me on and uh you know just to say that you know, this is uh, interesting times in the world and uh, it's great to be here. It's great to be, uh, you know, part of what you guys are doing. And uh, I look forward to seeing how the, uh, the things develop over the next few months. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. Take care. Thank you.